Hi, my name is Mike Herbster. I'm privileged to be the director of Southland Christian Camp Ministries. For over 25 years, Southland has centered itself around the ministry of preaching. We believe that God uses the foolishness of preaching to convict hearts and transform lives. Our prayer is that today's sermon would push you to become more like our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. As you listen, would you carefully evaluate your life in light of God's Word and take the appropriate action to grow in your walk with Him? We hope that you will enjoy today's message. read through the Bible and, and, and the power of God is on display in so many ways. His power in creation, His power in leading the children of Israel out of Egypt, His, his power in rescuing His people, but His power throughout all of the Scripture. But the only thing that is called the power of God is the gospel, the message of the cross. The greatest display of God's power is taking lost, broken, blinded sinners like you and me and turning us from death to life, bringing us to the kingdom of light out of the kingdom of darkness. Oh, have you come to Jesus? I'm not asking if you go to church. I'm not asking if you go to a Christian camp because I already know the answer to that. You're here. But I ask you, have you come face to face with Jesus Christ? Have you surrendered to him? Have you come and said, nothing in my hand I bring, simply to your cross I cling? Have you entered into relationship with this God through Jesus Christ? If not, tonight's the night for you. What a way to start off the new year on this first day of 2019 to say, I am done with my sin. I want a new master. I want Jesus Christ. Well, we are in the book of Ephesians. If you didn't know that already, I haven't been doing a very good job of communicating. We're in Ephesians chapter 4. So could you go back there uh, once again tonight? Ephesians 4. Now, what we have is four more times together. Tonight and three times tomorrow. Uh, so after tonight, we're over the hump. We're over halfway, okay? So we're, we're coming down the stretch. You've done super well in, in, in listening. Uh, never lose a heart to hear preaching. Never lose a heart to hear from the word of God. And uh, the Lord will honor those who honor him. And I know he's going to honor you. I do know that. Okay. Ephesians 4. Here is our text tonight. It is verse 26 and verse 27. The apostle writes, Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. 
Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that you would open up the eyes of our heart through the power of the Holy Spirit. I pray for the young lady in here, the young man in here, who has not yet received Christ as Lord and Savior, that tonight would be the night. Open up their heart to see. I pray for those who have already uh, come to be the new man or new woman in Christ, that uh, you would give us grace to understand, grace to believe, and grace to obey what we hear tonight in this realm of anger. And I pray this for your glory. Amen. Our study this Winter retreat is really about the power of the gospel. There is no area in your life that this gospel does not affect. Have you been to the Statue of Liberty in New York Harbor? Has anyone been here? Here, been there? Okay, many of you. I've seen it, but I've not yet been to it. But I do understand that if you go to the Statue of Liberty there in New York Harbor, you would see a plaque with a very famous, because of the statue, a very famous sonnet written by Emma Lazarus. You say, I've never heard of her, neither had I. But she wrote a famous sonnet uh, when the, uh, the statue was placed there. And the end of it have these famous words, quote, give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free, the wretched refuse of your teeming shore. Send these, the homeless, tempest-tossed to me. I lift my lamp beside the golden door. End quote. That's actually really good writing. I, I enjoy that. Multiplied millions have come to our shores in search of new life and new freedom and new opportunity, and I love my country, and I, I am grateful that the United States of America promises all this newness, freedom, opportunity, liberty, but I hope you understand also that though we promise this, our great nation actually cannot deliver true freedom. Yeah, we're free politically. I'm thankful, and you should be thankful for that. We are free politically, but we're not free from greed. We're not free from injustice. We're not free from racism. We are not free from hatred. We're not free from discrimination. We're not free from lust. We're not free from anger. We're not free from deceit. We're not free from immorality and corruption because we are like every other nation in this world. We are held in the cords of our iniquities and the greatest need of the citizens of the United States of America is to be freed, finally and completely freed. That's why there is no greater time than ours for the Christian message. For we have the message that frees people. The gospel of Jesus Christ cries out to all humanity, give me your immoral. Give me your perverted. Give me your unclean. Give me your bitter. Give me your angry. Give me your vengeful. Give me your thieves. Give me your greedy. Give me your traitors. Give me your corrupt. Give me your broken. Give me your hopeless. Give me your helpless. Give me your hurting. Give me your fearful, your proud, Give me your liars. Give me your sin, sick, weary souls, and I will give you 
rest. I lift my glorious gospel lamp beside the cross of Jesus Christ. And it is there, the cross that conquers corruption. The cross that conquers bondage. The cross that makes death die. The cross that crushes the serpent's head. And everyone, everyone who comes to Jesus, he will in no wise cast out. Come and find rest, young man. Come and find true freedom. Don't you long to be free? You can be free. I read a story years ago about a soldier wounded on an ancient battlefield, crying out in pain. The the, the shell had ripped into him and mangled his body, and he is there realizing the, uh, the, the, the state in which he is in. And one of and his uh, sergeant or captain came running up to him, I think it was a captain, came up to him, knelt beside him, and he said, son, what can I do for you? And he looked up and he said, captain, I don't need you to do anything for me. I need you to undo things for me. Do you feel that way tonight? You look at the mess you've kind of made of some decisions in your life. You see how sin has torn into your heart, often like that shrapnel, has broken relationships, has broken your heart, has broken your will and your resolve, and you've tried to change. In fact, maybe you even looked at the start of 2019 and you said, this year is gonna be different. But you said that last year too, didn't you? And no matter what you have tried, you can't fix yourself. And you don't. And what you say, say tonight is, I need someone to undo what I have done. Ah, Jesus Christ comes along and he says, receive me. I will undo your guilt. I will undo your shame. I will undo your bondage. I will undo your your sin. I will undo what you have done. I will give you what you need. I will give you a fresh start. I will give you a new beginning. I will make you into an entirely new person. I will take the old out of you and will make you a new person in me. Young man, Young lady, if you have not come to Jesus, why? Why haven't you yet? You've heard perhaps for years you need to come to him, but you've delayed. You've put it off. Why would you continue in that which brings guilt and shame and ultimately brings death? Oh, it promised fulfillment. It promised satisfaction. But the end of those things is always death. But Jesus comes along and he offers you new life, a new understanding, a new mind, new desires, a new hope, a new destiny, and new behavior. He's going to make you new. Come to Jesus tonight. Listen, you can do it right now. Right now in your seat, call out to God and say, I want you to make me new. I want you to do for me what I could never do myself. Oh, Jesus, save me. Do it now before it's eternally too late for you. But oh, the, the opportunity is on the table. The free gift is there. Take it. Now then, 
Many of you say, you know, Andy, I have taken that free gift of eternal life. That's wonderful. You are the new man, the new woman in Christ. The apostle says, so act like it. Be who you are. How can you be who you are, the new person in Christ, in this world that's decidedly anti-Christian? Well, a very familiar pattern emerges from Ephesians 4. Remember we talked about this? Was it this afternoon? It was this afternoon. It all runs together, doesn't it? But it was this afternoon where uh, this familiar pattern, we called it negative, positive, Christian reason why. Put off, put on, be renewed in your mind. What, uh, <clears throat> here's the negative. Put off the corruption of the old man you used to be. Put on the righteousness of the new man you currently are. And here is the Christian reason why as you are being renewed in the spirit of your mind. Now, we've already looked at what the gospel does with lying, right? What was it? Put off the corruption of the falsehood and lying. Put on the righteousness of truth-telling. But what makes this Christian? Well, here's the Christian reason why. Because we are members one of another. When we put off lying and put on truth-telling, we build the unity of the church and we shout to the watching world, Jesus is from God. He can do what you can't. Look at what he's done with us. This is why. This is what makes it Christian. All right, that was this afternoon, and I know you remember it. May we practice it. Okay, now let's consider what does the gospel do with anger? Now we read it, verses 26 and 27. Guess what? There's a very familiar pattern that comes up. Negative, positive, Christian reason why. Put off, put on, be renewed in your mind. So what is it? Here it is. Put off sinful anger. Put on righteous anger. Christian reason why? To deny the devil an opening in your heart. Okay, let's talk about these three and we're done. Aren't you glad we have seven sessions so we don't have to like cover all of this? We can just do one at a time. That's what we're doing from here on out. All right. The negative, the put off. Put off sinful anger. Would you look at verse 26? It says this, be ye angry and sin not. Here the apostle speaks about two types of anger. One is a good anger. One is a bad anger. Anger is therefore a natural emotion put in us by God. But the question is, is your anger in the control of the Holy Spirit or out of the control of the Holy Spirit? When your anger is controlled by the Holy Spirit, as you are being renewed in the spirit of your mind and it is channeled in a righteous direction, then your anger can be a positive force for good. Your anger can be used for godliness. Your anger can be used for the advancement of the kingdom of God. Oh, but when your anger is out of control and it is channeled in a selfish direction, now you got a sin problem and you are lying about who you are. You're the new man in Christ. Why are you blowing up in anger? Why are you seething in anger? You are lying about who you are. So put off lying and put on truth telling. 
You see, I think that's why he began with lying in the very first part. But we're done with lying. We're talking about anger here tonight. So put off the sinful anger of the old man. The new man has no business dressing in the corrupt clothes of that old anger. Here's a supporting verse, Colossians 3.8. But now, I love that because that's the power of the gospel. You used to be the old man, but now something changed. All right, you're the new man in Christ, but now, Colossians 3.8, you also put off all of these anger, wrath. Now, sinful anger can be expressed in many ways. Here are just some ways. Sinful anger can be shown through your irritability with other people, your annoyance with little brother and sister, uh, or older brother and sister, your exasperation, your resentment, seething hatred, Cold War silence. You know what a Cold War is? Neither side is really moving, but you're angry at one another. Bitterness, yelling, ranting, vengeance, fury. All of these are the leftover corruption of the old man. Now perhaps you or maybe someone you love has been hurt by someone, maybe someone you once trusted. I don't know your story, but I know there's pain in your story because you live in a broken world just like I do. You've been hurt by someone. You've been mistreated or someone you love has been mistreated. Maybe it was by a dad, maybe by a stepdad, maybe by a mom or a teacher, a former church member, a former pastor, maybe a friend, a cousin or brother. Uh, we have married people here, maybe your husband, your wife or an ex-spouse. You've been hurt, you've been betrayed or someone you love. They've offended you. They've sinned against you. They have done wrong. And you desire they get their comeuppance. You hear their name, and uh, you, can't, uh, you, you can hardly be in the same room with them. You, you, you interpret everything she says through your hurt. You wouldn't be too upset if he suffered as much as you have suffered because of him, which of course means you hope he suffers more. When you think of him or, or hear her name, you find anger boiling again in your heart because, and, and if they happen to be praised, all you can think about is their lies, their hypocrisies, the carnage they left behind, their hurt, their wound, their injustice, their words. And you're angry tonight. Or it could be that you are angry that life hasn't happened the way you wanted it to happen. Hey, you're young uh, and you're growing up. Guess what you're going to quickly discover if you haven't already, and I know you already have. Life has a way of happening to you rather than happening by you. You want life to go a certain way, and you've got to come face to face with this reality. Life isn't going to happen the way you planned it to happen. And because it didn't go the way you wanted, because it didn't happen that way in school or that way at the job or that way on the team or that way on the band or that way in the family or that way in your life, because things happen, because we live in a cursed, broken world, because of our sin, you get angry because you've lost control of your life. And you don't feel like you're in control, so anger comes out. Maybe it could be you're just angry at God tonight because of how your life has turned out, how your health has turned out, how your church has turned out, how your family has turned out. Again, with our uh, married folks here, how your marriage has turned out. If God really loved me, I wouldn't be in this type of a family. 
He wouldn't have given me this guy to be married to. I wouldn't be going to this school if God really loved me. The anger. And then what begins to happen is you start becoming very self-righteous. You start looking at, well, if God is so loving, why is there still human trafficking? If God is so loving, why, 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 why is there so much abuse? And we get angry at God because of what has happened in our life. And soon your smoldering rage at times will erupt with this hot lava of explosive anger, which can lead to such things as slamming of doors or throwing things or shouting, hitting others, punching walls, spewing profanity, posting venomous statements and half-truths online that will live on forever because you are angry. You're out of control. You try to win sympathy votes to your cause when you're only posting your side of the story. I'll not forget I went to... (laughs) When I was a youth pastor, uh, there was a young man, he was 17 years old, he visited uh, our church, and I thought, well, I'll return the visit. So I set up a time to come uh, visit him, and uh, his mom was at home, he was there, and so uh, uh, I went in and spoke to him for a little bit, played a little Xbox with him in the early days of Xbox, and uh, played a little bit with him, and then uh, just was chatting with him, trying to get to know him a little bit better, and then he said this, and this was odd to me, a 17-year-old guy, he said, hey, you want to see my room? And I thought, no, <laughs> why would I want to see your room? But I said, okay. And so we, we went and went, you know, down the, down the hall. And uh, uh, as we came to the door of his room, he opened up the door. And as I walked in, I looked at his wooden door. Now, it was a cheaply made wooden door, you understand. But there were fist-sized holes all over that door. <laughs> I just kind of looked at that, and I thought, okay, I've seen enough, you know. And, 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 and he, he looked at me, and he goes, oh, Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Sometimes I just get really angry. Is that you? Are there holes in your house? Are there, have there been some broken things thrown? Have there been some words that have come out of your mouth towards a parent, towards a brother, towards a sister, towards another family member? Uh, is there this annoyance within your heart? Are you an angry person? The Bible says in Ecclesiastes 7:9, the angry man is a fool. Proverbs 16:32, the angry man is a weak man. Oh, you get online and you post your tough, vulgar language. You're going to show people how powerful and strong you are through your anger. You are a weak person. You got no control over your own spirit. Proverbs 22, 24. The angry man will be a lonely man. Do you find that people avoid you when you get irritated and irritable and angry? You are a lonely, foolish man angry person and then jesus put his stamp on this in matthew 5 21 the angry man is actually a murderer in his or her heart and is in danger of the divine judgment of god 
Do you find that you plot revenge, that you cook up a lie, you want to take him down, you sulk, you stomp off into your room, you clam up, or you explode? There are various ways to show your anger. Are you always irritable, annoyed, inconvenienced? Let me help you. You have a sin problem, and you need to come to the cross of Jesus Christ tonight and find that his blood can cleanse you, yes, even of your sinful anger. Uh, You need to humble yourself and get honest before God. No more fake repentance. No more false promises of changing, but a genuine, broken repentance. The slave you were is dead. Why are you still slaving? That's not you. Be who you are. You say you're the new person in Christ, so act like it. Put off sinful anger once and for all, all over again. So that's the negative. Put off sinful anger. What's the positive? Put on righteous anger. Is there such a thing? Yes. What does the scripture say? Go ahead and be angry but don't sin in your anger. Anger is actually a gift from God, but anger must be under the control of God. Question, is anger found in God? Does God get angry? Yes, he does. Think about Jesus. He is God in the flesh. Do you remember when he went into the temple? Uh, A couple different times, but he went into the temple and he saw the merchandising. He saw the, the buying and the selling. And he had anger, right, righteous anger, rising up within him. He took a whip, made a whip of small cords, and he drove the animals out. He uh, took the, 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 the birds and set them free. Notice Jesus never used the whip on any person. He was under the control of the Holy Spirit. He turns over the money changers and he says, the, uh, he said, my house or my father's house is the house of prayer. You have made it a robber's den, a thieves den. And what did the disciples say when they saw him? Did I write the verse down? No, I didn't. But here's what they said. Zeal for God was eating him up. You can check me up on that. I think it's John 2. Zeal for God was eating him up. This anger, this righteous anger, the problem was his his father was being dishonored and that bothered Jesus. It's not the only time. How about Mark 3 and verse 5? He looked round about them with anger being grieved for the hardness of their hearts. Here Jesus is angry at the hardness of man, of men's hearts. How about Matthew 23? He looks at the self-righteous religious hypocrisy and he says, woe, woe, woe to you. Some of the most scathing words Jesus ever uttered in his life on this earth. Here his anger was upon the self-righteous hypocrisy. But I think about God in Romans 1.18. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all uncleanness against all unrighteousness of men who hold the truth and unrighteousness. When it says that God's wrath is revealed, this is not an explosive anger. This is a settled opposition towards those who are against him. 
Those who have not come to Jesus Christ, they're on the other team. They're on the other side. They are the enemy of God. But you don't have to be anymore. You can come to God through Jesus. Find he is the friend of sinners. But that's what it means until a person comes to Christ. The wrath of God is upon him. He is already condemned. That's what Jesus said in John chapter 3. So what we see here is a controlled, righteous anger, controlled and under, under the influence of the Holy Spirit. It's found in God's nature. What have we learned? He was angered by dishonor of the Father. He was angered by determined hardness of heart. He was angered by self-righteous hypocrisy, and he is angry against all ungodliness and all unrighteousness of sinful man. Now, do you remember verse 24? You're the new man in Christ. You are created after God. What is in the character of God is in you now. So now you can be angry at the dishonor of the Father. You can be angry at determined hard-heartedness. You can be angry at self-righteous hypocrisy. You can be angry towards unrighteous acts and injustice that is rampant all around us. Anger directed at the bondage that enslaves the sinner. Probably the greatest Old Testament verse that communicates this, I believe, is Psalm 97, 10. You who, lo- <coughs> you who love the Lord hate evil. Now, there are certain things that should cause your righteous anger to rise. Now, not out of control, never. but a settled conviction and a hatred for what sin is doing. I think about the apostle Paul who wrote here in Ephesians 4. Read about him when he went to the great Greek city of Athens in Acts 17. He's waiting for his teammates to get there, his ministry team. And while he is waiting, we read in Acts 17 verse 16, while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was stirred within him because he saw the city wholly or completely given over to idolatry. He saw all the idolatry of Athens. He saw that Jesus was not prized. Jesus was not honored. In fact, when he spoke of Jesus and the resurrection, they mocked him in Athens. He saw that Christ was not lifted up. Christ was not obeyed. Christ was not being submitted to, and it bothered him. It grieved him. It irritated him. It angered Paul, I ask you, where is your anger when Jesus is not prized? I'm not saying out of control, but that settled conviction that this isn't right. Are you stirred deep inside over what sin is doing? Are you angry tonight within your heart at the devastation that pornography is bringing to countless people? Are you angry in your heart over the devastation of broken families is bringing to people and families all over? Are you angry at the devastation that adultery and greed and injustice and drunkenness and hypocrisy and abuse and drugs are bringing? Where is the anger of the church? Where is the, where is the righteous settled anger? Does the zeal for God eat you up? 
Jesus is not honored in our world. Does that bother you? Then let us do something. Rouse yourself. Lay hold of God and call for him to act on our behalf. And for the sake of Jesus, put on righteous anger. Be who you are. All right, so that's the positive. You put off sinful anger. You put on righteous anger. But what's the Christian reason why? Because I know a lot of good uh, unsaved people who work hard at keeping themselves under control, not exploding, being kind and generous and gracious. I know a lot of people like that. You don't have to be Christian to be that. So what makes this Christian? Here it is. You want to deny the devil an opening to your heart. This is what makes it Christianity. We do not put off sinful anger simply because it's not polite or it's not gentlemanly. No, the gospel has changed our understanding of anger and wrath in two great ways. Number one, we put off sinful anger because it is part of the old man. Okay, you say, Christian, you lose control because, well, you know, Andy, that's just who I am. It's how I was born. I was born that way. I'm just a hot-blooded person. Well, I do not disagree. You were born that way, but the gospel says you were not born again that way. Put away sinful anger because you are no longer the old man. Okay? Put away your lying about who you are. But here's the second uh, reason. We put off sinful anger because sinful anger gives Satan an opening to our lives. That's what it says in verse 27. Do not give place. Do not give an opening. Do not give a spot in your life to the devil. Satan is an opportunist. Okay? Satan is an ambusher. Satan is a dry gulcher. Satan waits to pounce when you're not ready for him. He looks for the advantage to master you and a young man or a young woman, Christian, out of control is easy prey to fall under Satan's control. You see, when you rage inwardly, you may be, you may, you may be real silent about it, but when you rage or you explode in anger, uh, you have lost control of your emotions. You are at the mercy of your agitated, elevated passions. You're no longer thinking. You're no longer reasoning. You are reacting. You are acting more like a beast, more like an animal than a human being who reasons. And it is when your guard is down, Satan pounces in before you even realized it. The lion jumps in and he stirs up more irrational emotions, more bitterness, hatred, fears, and anger. And he influences you to say or type or text some awful things that you would never say when you were under the control of the Holy Spirit. But as soon as they go out, even if you go back with tears, Seeking forgiveness, not even forgiveness can reconcile that relationship. Words and expressions wound so deeply. Relationships have been forever altered because you reacted in anger and Satan ambushed you. 
He's waiting for you. He's waiting for you to lose control so he can jump in. The, the proverb says this, 25, 28. He who has no rule, no control over his own spirit is like a city broken down without walls. In the ancient world, cities had walls for protection. But if a city's walls were torn down, the enemy could come in and go out whenever it wanted to. So it is your anger, sinful anger, makes you a defenseless city opened up for the enemy, Satan. And for some of you, Satan has been having the key to the city of your heart. And he's had it for some time because you are weak and you are a fool in your anger. But aren't you glad Jesus died for weak, foolish, angry people like me and you? Satan cannot stand when the gospel's power is brought to bear. Yes, he is the lion but he is on God's leash when you come to him with the power of God. So what are you supposed to do? Verse 26, don't let the sun go down upon your wrath. Put off wrath and anger every day. Get it off your heart. Seek forgiveness. Seek reconciliation. Seek restoration before the day is done. Put the offenses against you, the offenses against those you love under the blood of Jesus. Do whatever is necessary to get right. If you harbor anger in your heart, Satan will destroy all you hold dear and you will have no one to blame but yourself for giving him access to your heart because you got angry. And don't you see that anger and wrath is a complete denial of the gospel? You say you believe in the gospel of free grace. You say you believe in the gospel of forgiveness in Christ. You claim Jesus saved you and forgave you, not because you deserved it, but because of his grace. And yet you cannot turn around and extend the same to other people. You are denying the very gospel that saved you. Now, I know you've been hurt. I know you've been slandered. I know you've been lied about. I know you've been backstabbed. I know you've been betrayed. I know you've been offended. Can I tell you this? You did it to God long before anyone did anything to you. How did Jesus react? Did he turn around in vengeance to you? Did he turn around with, with this sinful anger that says, I'm going to make sure you get what's coming to you? Did he do that to you? No. You know what he did? He went to his father and said, condemn me in their place. And that's what happened on the cross. Jesus was condemned. Jesus suffered and he bled and he died for raging, angered sinners like you and me. He didn't react with vengeance or anger. He reacted with love and self-sacrifice. Don't deny to others what you have freely been given. Now, this time tomorrow night, we're going to talk specifically on forgiveness. Look ahead to verse 32. It's kind of hard to ignore. It's coming around again. But this is just the initial thoughts that we have towards that. So what have we learned? I'm the new man in Christ. 
I put off the sinful anger. I put on the righteous anger so the devil does not come back in and ruin what God is working in my heart. Deny the devil an opening to your heart. You'll, not, you'll never hear a lost person go down this train of thought when it comes to anger. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Southland Podcast. May the message you've just heard be truth that transforms your heart and life. Christ loves you and wants you to grow in his grace through salvation and sanctification. If you've never placed your faith and trust in the finished work of Christ, we'd love to talk to you personally. Please give us a call at 318-894-9154 or shoot me an email at mherpster at southlandcamp.org. Christ has promised eternal life and a life worth living if you will only believe in Him. May the Lord bless you in your pursuit of Christ-like living. Tune in next time right here for another message on the Southland Podcast.